This is Near FM. Weekday mornings from 11. This is Northside Today. Joining me in the studio this morning is uh, Minister for Jobs, Enterprise and Innovation, Richard Bruton, TD. Good morning, Minister. Welcome to Near FM. Thanks very much, Mark. It's great to have you in this morning and imagine it's a very, very busy time now. It is. I think everyone is feeling a bit nervous coming up to the, 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 the examination that's ahead. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know, I think we have a reasonable report card, but we'll, we'll uh, have to see what people think. It's been a tough time for people and mm-hmm. uh, we've made progress on some fronts, but a lot more to be done than others. So, you know, when you go around the doors, you hear everyone's story. So I think it's uh, it, it'll be a, t- a tough campaign now. Yeah. How has it been? Because we've we've this brand new constituency now, now Dublin Bay North, so not a lot of new ground for you to cover. How's it been so far? Well, it's it's been uh, difficult, you know, in the sense that you know when you have a three seater, you almost know everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very compact. You double that in size, and you definitely yeah. are stretched. Uh, and it's a lot of new ground. Uh, but you know, it's it's interesting. It's not that dissimilar in many ways. I mean, northeast and north central, they're very similar patterns to the two old constituencies in many mm. ways. So, you know, and then I did run in the Artane ward, as you probably yeah, know, for absolutely. the city council in the past. Mm-hmm. So some of that obviously stretches into the old northeast. So yeah, some of it is familiar to me. But then further out into the Fingal, uh, that's entirely new. Yes. Yeah. But uh, no, it's a challenge. But it's the same for every candidate. You know, it's it's everyone is trying to find their feet in a different setting. Mm, absolutely, we're we're expecting it here. It's going to be one of the ones that is going to be watched very closely because it's so diverse and so big. It's going to be a very interesting constituency to watch. I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. Like you have fifteen public representatives running for yeah. five seats. You know, between councillors, senators, and TDs. Uh, so everyone has an established base. They're yeah. not newcomers. They all are experienced and have a base. So you will see a huge scattering of the vote, and everyone will then wonder how will the transfers work. And I don't. I don't think anyone has ever seen this before so no one knows what patterns might come from different uh, from different sources so I think it's a really intriguing election mm. and a lot of the you know the national commentators are looking at this because you know you have nearly every party every new party every old party every independent <laughs> shade of everything is going to be uh, you know out here so uh, it gives people a chance to judge uh, the strengths of different different elements probably most likely going to be a very late night or a long weekend one way or the other when we come to count inevitably yeah because yeah. I think there'll be no one near a quota at all I think in this yeah. constituency so it'll be the long nights and uh, right. even watching the order of elimination will have a huge difference you Absolutely. know a, a couple of hundred votes that someone is ahead of someone else can make the difference between getting a seat and not so it's it's really really tight indeed we'll watch it with interest you were here last week up there in um, Butler's Chocolates launching the Dublin Action Plan for for jobs as part of a 250 million euro regional job strategy. Could you first maybe just explain to the listeners what, what is the regional job strategy? Well, I suppose, as you probably know, in the crash, 90,000 jobs were lost in Dublin. A big lot of those were in the construction sector. We had become very dependent on construction as a country mm-hmm. uh, and that simply wasn't sustainable. So what we had to do is build new sectors uh, and what's been encouraging in the last few years, you see a revival of manufacturing, some of it in life sciences, some of it in more traditional engineering areas and so on we're seeing a growth in financial services which is important to Dublin we're seeing you know the whole 
internet explosion and jobs in that area and you're seeing Dublin having very strong tourism uh, revival so we're seeing a a balanced recovery but what we're looking at the next level we've unemployment down below 8% in Dublin but we really need to get it down to you know well below 6 down around 5 so the plan is about what do you need to put in place to to complete that journey Uh, and it is going to be challenging up ahead I mean you can't take recovery for granted there's a lot of uh, headwinds if you like coming from Europe with political uncertainty around oil prices exchange rates Britain perhaps exiting the EU the crisis in China so there's a lot of things so I think the key is to try and build have a plan that makes sure that you can continue to create jobs even in that uncertain environment and that's at the heart of it that's it Uh, and it's a plan and it's set out across all the different sectors the skills that will be needed the innovation that will be needed the stronger companies the sectors you need to develop all of that is is built into the plan and it's been great it's been bottom up an awful lot of people have been involved in in setting out uh, actions within it Yeah one of the first areas that um where job creation was was tackled and trying to re um, establish and start recovery in the in in the economy was um, small and medium enterprises and start up businesses. Um, it's it, the first point in this plan here is all about start ups and uh, increasing the number of businesses starting up. Um, how do you plan on implementing that and getting people to take the chance to get out there and have a go? Well, we've done a number of things in that area. The first is making it easier to start. So we've made it easier to get a tax break if you're setting up a mm-hmm. business of your own to get back some of the tax you paid in previous years and put it into a new business. Uh, we've I- increased all the support. So we now have the local enterprise offices and they offer a, a huge range of supports. It can mm-hmm. be grants in some uh, instances if they're sort of export oriented. It can be mentoring uh, or it can be, you know, start your own business courses depending on the position that people ha- are in. Mm-hmm. Then we have things like innovation vouchers. So if someone wants to, you know, spend some money in changing around things, they can do that. There's feasibility uh, grants, so you can test your idea. You can compete. Then, mm-hmm. uh, if your your idea is really good, you can get into these competitions where you can win up to fifty thousand in a competitive start yeah. to put into your business. So we have a whole range of supports from, if you like, the money, getting money for the business, and uh, making sure that you know what's what what it takes to start the mentoring as you go along if you want to enter into an export market there's there's support from Enterprise Ireland for for that uh, and we're probably Ireland is the best country in Europe uh, in terms of the sweetest supports that are out there Enterprise Ireland is unique uh, in Europe in having you know in, in investing about 185 new big uh, startups every year taking a shareholding in them uh, and helping them get off the ground but we need to do better and that's the whole thing is can we lift our deliver 25% more Uh, and we, we, we believe we can We've microfinance is a new kid on the block that we introduced that's doing really well. Double the number of people who took out micro loans to put into their small business. The back to work enterprise scheme is now uh, has an increased participation. So people who were out of work have decided to set up their own, and under that you can get up to two and a half thousand grants to put into your business. So th- there's a big range of, of things, and we just make need to make sure that you know they're working together. So we're trying to build, yeah. if you like, a necklace of startup. Uh, centres across the city uh, so that anyone who has a startup idea will know where to go and get the support to stop them failing on their big journey. range of incentives for them there 
There is, I Big think so. Range. And it's, it makes a huge difference because 25% or two thirds of all new jobs come from businesses in the first five years of their life. Yeah. So it's a really important part of what we do. Once they're up and running then, and I mean, there's lots of people, you know, SMEs were probably the foundation of whatever recovery has begun or, is, or, or we're enjoying at the minute. Um, we hear suggestions that, um, you know, there may be cancellation of USC and increases to PRSI and, uh, you know, people promising wage increases and increasing minimum wage and everything else. Those small increases impact on SMEs more than they do any other co- any other area of industry. If you're a big multinational um, small wage increases don't impact you as much as you do on SMEs. How how do you think SMEs are going to get around? How are you going to help SMEs get around uh, things like that? Well, I think the lesson of the crash is that any small open economy like our own has mm-hmm. to have a competitive edge in whatever markets we're going after. Yeah. So if we're after going after the food sector, we have to create a competitive edge. And if you do that, you can afford to pay workers more. You can afford to employ more people. And of course, the government gets more money from the revenue and you invest in your services. So I think the lesson here is there is a, a sort of a circle there. You have to get the edge first and then you can build off that. So I think the key thing is not to say yeah we should see you know increase in minimum wage increase in wages but only off the back of being successful and I think that's the real lesson and you know we are being successful so workers are entitled to see increase in their minimum wage or public servants who took a pay cut are entitled to begin to see something paid back but we also have to keep an eye that we're you know we are gaining market share in these markets that we're after that we don't price ourselves out of tourism and you know see prices go up the way they were in the in the past so I think it's you have to keep a, a balance and that's why our, our long term economic plan talks of three steps one starting with getting the enterprises and jobs piece right then making work pay so that people who go out to work or who start up a business get the rewards of it and then thirdly investing in the public services and I think that circle is there so when Mike Noonan talks about you know, getting rid of universal social charge, he's doing it because it's an anti-job tax and we need to make sure that, you know, we don't put a spanner in our own works by by retaining it, a, a tax like USC, which is a double tax for people, which doesn't make any allowance for capital investment that someone might make in their business. You know, it's not the sort of tax it was intended to be temporary. So we need to phase it out and allow jobs grow. I think that's the sense in which we're we're, we're, we're talking about these reforms and changes. What's interesting about US is it is bringing in a large amount of revenue for the government and uh, fear people would have is, is if USC goes, where are you going to get the money from? It's, you're going to have to get it somewhere else. How does how does that happen? Well, I think it happens from the growth in the economy. I mean, basically in the last, you know, since the recovery started in 2012, about nine billion, that's about well over double the USC revenue has been generated from the new jobs, the new profits from companies that are earning all the new activity, the new VAT. But the tragedy, I suppose, in the last number of years is that most of that money has had to push, be put back into filling the hole in the public finances left by the collapse of construction and so on. But as we look to the future and continue 
to implement a plan that grows our economy, that sort of money, that sort of nine billion, if you like, mm-hmm. will become available to invest in new things. And that's how you can look at relieving the burden on families through tax, investing in childcare, investing in health, investing in guard on the street. You know, so that's the approach. We, but the key to it, and the, the, I suppose the thing on which everything hinges, is having a long-term plan that ensures that we continue to grow the jobs and grow the, the companies that provide them. I suppose it, it, the, in, in layman's terms, the more jobs you can create, the more income tax you can create, and therefore you take pressure off other these taxes and everything else. And, and creating these jobs, and I mean, government tell us that you know they've created over sixty six thousand jobs or sixty six thousand jobs, I think it is, and there's sixty four thousand jobs in Dublin in the last few years or whatever. Um, what we have seen, and we've seen a lot of it in the last year or so, we've seen the Dunn Stars dispute and everything else, and, and lots of people talk about it, is the kind of jobs that people are getting. Uh, temporary contracts, minimum hour contracts, um, CE schemes, job bridge schemes. Uh, when we, when you say creating jobs or creating minimum, uh, getting levels of unemployment down, are we looking at full time sustainable permanent jobs, thirty nine hour a week jobs where people can relax, plan their futures and everything else? They're not going to be going on a, where they're waiting on a phone call, where they're working. Two six hours this week, thirty hours the following week. That that that's not sustainable for people, and it it ultimately it won't help in creating the revenues that you hope to create because you always end up having to supplement people who are on lower incomes. So the kind of jobs that people are getting, that's what people want to do. Yeah, no, I yeah. think that's a, a fair question, and I think you know at the start of the recovery, you could see there was a lot of temporary work and part-time jobs mm-hmm. because employers were unsure would the thing last but the last two years all of the new jobs have been full-time mm-hmm. more than you know actually we've seen a reduction in part-time working in the last two years uh, so that that's a very healthy sign and particularly we've seen a, a, a reduction in involuntary part-time working so where people wanted to work longer and were forced to that's been redu- reduced very rapidly so all the new jobs are full-time about 75% of them are in really well-paying sectors, whether it be IDA-supported, manufacturing, Enterprise Ireland, ICT, financial services, all of those areas that are doing re- really well. So the vast bulk of them are well-paying. Now, there are jobs, obviously, in retail and tourism, and they they are variable types of jobs. There's peaks and troughs. Uh, but we've seen an increase in the minimum wage there. We've seen new uh, employment orders put into some of those more vulnerable areas, and we're we're making sure that we protect those workers as, as we go along. You, you ask about schemes. You know, 94% of the jobs have nothing got to do with schemes. There are 6% that have involved schemes. But every country in the world uses work experience programmes or others to help people who've been out of work make the bridge across into work. Uh, and I think they have an important place to play. But as, as I say, you know, 6%, it's very small. 19 out of every 20 jobs, you may say, has no support from schemes whatsoever. Uh, and I think, you know, they, they, that shows that the, the recovery that may be started rather has 
hesitantly and, mm-hmm. and people were seeing a lot of these not great contracts. Now it's taking hold and it's it's showing great resilience. And you look at the sectors, you see that, you know, we're doing well in sectors that have a very strong future. Uh, and that's really crucial. We have to make sure that we, we get into the sectors that we will grow into the future and provide decent living standards. And that that's where we are at. You look at where we're strong. Mm-hmm. It's in good, good businesses, life sciences, ICT, financial services, manufacturing, you know, these are solid and indeed construction is beginning to come back another, you know, good sector once it doesn't get out of hand, it's solid employment. If I could ask you just finally, you know, um, the Fine Gael motto for, for the election is protect the recovery. Um, if the recovery is to be protected and to be maintained, it's dependent on a lot of outside factors, as you mentioned earlier on there's lots of stuff going on even in the UK if we're going to be looking at this Brexit it's got a huge implications especially for ourselves probably more so than anybody else but all of those things are out of the control of whatever government is in power here in Ireland Um, and again we've seen as you said uh, what happened to the economy when we put all our eggs in one basket what kind of fail safes are in place that if if the, the status quo as it is at the minute doesn't maintain and if Fianna Gael are in government for the next five years, what fail-safes are in place? What what are the backups? How do we protect the recovery? How do we protect people? How do we make sure we don't go back? Well, there's several things we're doing. We're setting, going to set aside a reserve, which will be, if you like, a rainy day fund. So the money that's available to spend, it won't all be spent. We're going to put some money to a rainy day fund and that will be available to make long-term investments to bolster the economy. But it will protect us from, you know, something going wrong on the public finances. And the same with enterprise. We're investing very heavily now in things like leaner uh, production processes in, in, in businesses, in expanding into markets well beyond the UK to diversify our base. Uh, so we're looking at how do you make our enterprises resilient too in the face of changes. And to be fair, like the last four years haven't been easy internationally either. So the companies who have built 135,000 jobs in the face of tough economic conditions externally, they have, you know, they're tough, they're tough companies, but we have to make sure that we don't do anything that you know undermines their position. So you can't have crazy ideas about introducing new taxes on enterprises or you can't go wild looking for increases. You have to build, uh, you know, you have to build steadily and make sure that you're aware that you can't take this for granted. You have to be careful. You have to plan. You have to invest in the skills that are necessary, invest in the innovation. And that's that's why a plan is really important to make sure that in each of those areas you build the resilience that's needed for when things inevitably will go wrong in some parts of our markets and have this, the diversification that allows you uh, well whether those storms. Well, we'll watch with interest and hopefully, you know, as we say, the recovery, there's many people who claim the recovery hasn't landed at everybody's door yet. And it hasn't. Um, And I'm sure you're hearing a lot of that on the campaign trail. Um, I'm mindful that uh, we're we're very short on time now because you are very busy. But if I just could, just one, uh, take you off the jobs for a minute. One of the things we've seen in this part of the city especially over the last 18 months to two years was the massive objection uh, to Irish water and the water charges and we don't want to go into detail with it because we haven't got the time there's lots of stuff has been said uh, about it already where is the Irish water situation for, for, for people in this constituency because it's something for people in this constituency that's very important to them uh, 
where are Fine Gael and where is the Irish water situation? Because all the other parties are saying they're going to get rid of it. Oh, no, I, I think that would be crazy. I mean, I think you have to step back from the situation. You know, we need a decent water system if we to have more houses and everyone, as you know, wants more housing uh, to be built for people who are under pressure. We need a decent water system if to, if to build manufacturing and life sciences companies and everyone looking for jobs in Dublin. So, you know, take it as read, we need to invest in our water system. It's been run deplorably in the last 25-30 years run by 34 different local authorities not joined up half the water leaking into the ground we've had to invest in this and for every euro that someone pays in their bill three euros is being invested in in making that system of managing your sewage managing your water supply better we won't have the discharges of polluted water into our rivers we will have a more reliable supply we will bring water to the to the city it was on a knife edge you remember just 18 months ago it went on the blink so you know the reason we're doing this is not some desire of government to become unpopular, it's to create something like the ESB, where people you know, know they can bank on a decent, well-managed network that supplies electricity. Water is going to be the very same. Without it, we're sunk. Uh, so that's the reason it's being done. Now, I know no one wants to pay a new charge, uh, but you know the compensation that we're doing as we've made progress is we're, as we say, going to eliminate USC over four or five years. We're, we're increasing child benefits. We're increasing pensions. All these things can be done gradually, but we still need to have a well-run water system. And that's that's what Irish water is creating. And you, you see it already. They've cut 10% of their own costs already within a very short period. I, and ecologically and, you know, socially, I think people understand the need to protect the system and upgrade and make it better. Uh, lots of people that I don't know if they necessarily had a problem with paying for it I think what their main problem was was the, the, the way Irish Water was set up the setting up of Irish Water and lots of people fear that uh, water will be privatised and then we're into a whole different situation we see what's happening in Flint at the moment and we see what's happening in the US of A people are scared of that happening here and that's that's the message I think that government need to understand regardless of who it is that's what people are afraid of that water's going to become big business and the bigger business it becomes the more expensive it'll become Yeah but it's written into the legislation that it cannot be sold without uh, going to the people in a referendum so the people have that control over uh, the ownership of Irish water and there is not a single part in the Dáil who would support the notion of selling Irish water to the private sector because it's a network and other countries who've gone down that road learn to their expense that the private sector won't protect the network as well as a proper public utility. Uh, But having it run by 34 different local authorities with most of the water leaking into the ground with all sorts of, you know, boil water notices in some part of the country, you know, sewage being pumped into into rivers in other parts of the country, that's not a sustainable model. You have to have it run in a proper professional way. People are accountable. Uh, I acknowledge that mistakes may have been made in the setting up of a new business but you know, integrating a service that was scattered, you know, the way it was, and setting up new systems—those are difficult things to do. Uh, and mistakes were undoubtedly made. But the bigger effort is to, you know, set this up on a professional basis, encourage conservation, have a reasonable charge that's capped at a reasonable level, and that we manage this resource more effectively. <sighs> Brilliant, Richard. We could probably talk for hours about a whole lot of stuff. We understand you're obviously very busy. Listen, thanks very much no, for coming in to us this morning. It's, it's been great. And sure, we'll no doubt see you out and about over the next, the next sure. few weeks. Um, um, we're probably expecting a big announcement tomorrow. 
he's not saying anything no, <laughs> no. Uh, Richard uh, Bruton uh, Minister for uh, Jobs Enterprise and Innovation thanks very much for coming into Near FM thank you thanks Mark thanks very cheers. much cheers thanks a lot this is Near FM weekday mornings from 11 this is Northside Today